0: Welcome to the First SDA Podcast. We are glad that you have chosen to spend your time listening to this program, and we know that you will be blessed in the process. We pray as you listen to the message today that you will be inspired, empowered, and renewed to have a closer walk with God.
1: I'm excited to be here with you today and to be able to share some things from God's word Um, as we begin this month of black history celebration today from the word. I want to spend just a little time talking about some things that affect families and these are not things that just affect black families. They affect all families, but there are certain things that affect us in a disproportionate type of way. Issues like fatherlessness and issues in terms of the way we date and interact with each other. The word has some things to share with us that we can feel build strong nucleuses that will allow our children, come on and say amen, Amen. our children to become all that God has ordained for them to be. And so we're going to do it in the context of our of our, our, our theme that we've been dealing here the last couple of Sabbaths and Wednesday nights. Still standing. So I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet at this time, and we're going to put if you can put our faith declaration on the screen before we go out to our scripture reading. Go ahead and stand to your feet. And uh, you know I'm all about declarations. Amen. My lights are on. Make sure you don't go to sleep during this word today. I need you to I need you to hear this and receive this. So do me a favor, let's, let's say it like we, begin, like we mean it today. Today, I begin a journey of resilience. I choose to view God through his word and not through my circumstances. Life may have knocked me down yesterday, but I'm getting up today. When life gets hard, I will keep standing. When friends walk away, I will keep standing. When money is tight, I will keep standing. When sickness strikes my body, I will keep standing. When disappointment comes, I will keep standing. When my home is troubled, I will keep standing. Come hell or high water, I will keep standing. I won't wait until trouble comes to decide. My mind is already made up. I won't cast blame, won't complain, won't play the victim, won't lay down no matter what this year brings, I will keep standing by the grace of God. Give your niggas some doubt. Let them know, keep standing, keep standing, keep standing. Yes, yes, yes. And for the scripture reading, do me a favor and keep standing, amen. That joke just never gets old to me for some reason. Genesis, Genesis, Genesis chapter 16. And please forgive me, I'm gonna have us read a good amount today. Just to provide context for those who maybe are new to church or religious things who this story may not be as familiar to them. Genesis chapter 16, and I want us to look specifically at a family, a, a mother and a son who get knocked down, but they have to keep standing by God's grace. Genesis chapter 16 and verse number 1. When you get there, let me hear you say Amen. Many of us, are, some of us are familiar with the story of Sarah and Hagar and how trifling they are in this situation. Genesis 16 to verse 1, now Sarai, Abram's wife, had borne him no children, and she had an Egyptian maidservant whose name was Hagar. So Sarai said to Abram, see now, the Lord has restrained me from bearing children, please go into my maid, perhaps, and I shall obtain children by her. And Abram heeded the voice of Sarai. Notice you ain't get no argument from Abraham. No disagreement. <laughs> he didn't put up no fight. Um, then the word says here in verse 3, then Sarai, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, and gave her to her husband Abram to be his wife. After Abram had dwelt uh, 10 years in the land of Canaan So he went into Hagar And she conceived And when she saw that she had conceived Her mistress became despised In her eyes Then Sarai said to Abram My wrong be upon you I gave my maid into your embrace And when she saw that she had conceived I became despised In her eyes The Lord judge between me and you So Abram said to Sarai, Indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. And when Sarai dealt harshly with her, she fled from her presence. Now the angel of the Lord found her by the spring of water in the wilderness, in the spring on the way to Shur. And he said unto Hagar, Sarai's maid, where have you come from, and what are, where are you going? She said, I am fleeing from the presence of my mistress Sarai. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to your mistress. Submit yourself under her hand. Then the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply your descendants exceedingly, so that they shall not be counted for multitude." And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, you are with child, and you shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Ishmael, because the Lord has heard your affliction. And notice what the Bible says about this child, though. He shall be a wild man, and his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of all of his brethren. Then the Bible says in verse 15, skipping down, so Hagar bore Abram a son, and Abram named his son, whom Hagar bore Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old when Hagar bore Ishmael to Abraham. So slip with me if you will to chapter 21. I told you we'll be reading a good bit today. Genesis chapter 21. Fast forwarding now. Uh, Ishmael has been born Sarah conceived eventually got pregnant with Isaac Isaac is born the child of promise then verse 8 talking about Isaac the Bible says so the child talking about Isaac grew and was weaned and Abraham made a great feast on the same day that Isaac was weaned. and Sarah saw the son of Hagar the Egyptian whom she had borne to Abraham scoffing. Therefore, she said to Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son, for the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, namely with Isaac. And the matter was very displeasing in Abraham's sight because of his son. But God said to Abraham, Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said to you, listen to her voice, for in Isaac your seed shall be called. Yet I also will make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed. So Abraham rose early in the morning, took the bread and the skin of water, and putting it on her shoulder, he gave it to the boy, to to Hagar, and sent her away. Then she departed and wandered in the wilderness of Beersheba. And the water in the skin was used up, and she placed the boy under one of the shrubs. And she went and cast down, sat down across from him at a distance about a bow shot. For she said to herself, let me not see the death of the boy. So she sat opposite of him and lifted up her voice and wept. And God heard the voice of the lad, and the angel of God called to Hagar out of heaven and said to her, What ails you, Hagar? Fear not, for God has heard the voice of the lad where he is. Like some single mom, I need you to know God knows where your children are. He knows where they are. And so God says, Arise and lift up the lad and hold him with your hand, for I will make of him a great nation. Then God opened her eyes, and she saw a well of water, and she went and filled it with skins and water and gave the lad with drink to drink. So God was with the lad, and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. And he dwelt in the wilderness of Paran, and his mother took him a wife from the land of Egypt. But for just emphasis, verse 18, I want to read this. Arise, lift up the lad, hold him with your hand. God says, I will make of him a great nation. Today, saints, I want to talk to you under the subject. God's word to some parent, some single parent is this. I'll take it from here i'll take it from here let's pray father lord would you please grant me strength to preach this word this hour hide me in the shadows of the cross that jesus alone might be seen that christ alone would be heard and that jesus alone would be praised let the spirit of the living god fall afresh to encourage, to instruct, to direct, to make known and clear God's will for somebody today. We pray it in the matchless name of Jesus. Let God's people say together, amen Amen. and amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord today. Again, we'll let everyone come in and be seated as we talk under the subject aisle. Take it from here. When I was, let me ask you to turn me up just a little bit. When I was pastoring in Lexington, Kentucky, I once got a call to preach in this small little town called Kings Mountain, Kentucky. Now, let's be clear that King's Mountain is not on the outskirts of Lexington or Louisville. It does not sit off of the edge of a major thoroughfare. Like, King's Mountain is, like, all the way out there in the sticks. And and I was a little nervous at first because Kentucky is a very red state, and I'm a very dark man. Do you catch my drift today? And, but, you know, my inclination is that when God calls, you want to go where God sends. And so I put my address in the GPS and it begins to guide me to my destination. And as I travel, my guide tells me where I'm to turn. My guide tells me when I'm going the wrong way. My guide tells me when I'm supposed to stop. It is my guide that tells me when I'm supposed to turn around. In fact, I stopped being anxious about the journey because I've got a voice guiding me everywhere I'm supposed to go. But I don't know if you've ever been driving down a very country road when your GPS loses its signal. Like, have you ever experienced the terror when the GPS starts buffering because there's no signal, and then that little icon that shows your car on the road, all of a sudden it shows your car in the middle of nowhere? And then all of a sudden, the voice of the guide just goes silent. Now, now I need you to know I'm determined to make it to my destination, but I got a lot of anxiety about the journey because I have nothing to guide me. I begin experimenting down certain roads because I have nothing guiding me. I have to guess about which way to go because I ain't got nothing to guide me. I have to take the advice of strangers because I don't have nothing to guide me. I've got to take their word for it because I have nothing to guide me. And I nearly miss my assignment because I have nothing to guide me along the way. And see, how many of us understand that as parents, we've been assigned to serve as the emotional GPS for our children? and as fathers we've been called to serve as a spiritual compass to guide them along the way but the problem with men in our time is because we ain't got enough signal strength with God our boys have to make the journey without anybody to guide them and and see the problem is many of them have to guess because they ain't got nobody to guide them they experiment with stuff because they ain't got nobody to guide them Our girls have to take the word of strangers because they have no one to guide them. Their lives are filled with anxiety because they have no one to guide them. And some of them will never make it to their destination because they have nobody to guide them. And as we look at this story, this is a call to parents, specifically my brothers, to make sure you don't leave your kids buffering because you ain't got enough signal strength. And what happens is they don't have the room to make it through the rough spots of life because we don't have anybody to guide them. And I want to affirm, my brothers who are handling your business, praise God for you every day, but I want to encourage those that are on the verge of leaving your post, don't leave too soon because your children need somebody to guide them. Are you with me today? And so some of y'all are wondering, Pastor, did you make it to your destination? Yes, I did. You see, even though I didn't have anybody to guide me, I eventually came up upon this little country store. And when I went in, I asked them if they knew how to get to such and such a church. And the old country boy said, I don't know how to get there, but you can log on my internet and get on MapQuest. I'm dating myself, and it'll tell you how to get to where you need to go. And so I asked him, what's the password to the internet? He said, there is no password the network is open and so I asked why don't you have your network secured he says those electric guides always get people lost so I leave the network open so people can find out how to get the rest of the way Can I just shout to anybody whose earthly guide couldn't get you but so far? The good news is that we've got somebody in Jesus who's got an open network. And when your earthly guide can only get you so far, you serve a God who will bring you the rest of the way. And it doesn't matter if he falls short. You've got a God who will get you to your destiny. Can you say amen? And and so today, I'm going to talk whether y'all are uncomfortable or not. I'm going to preach God's word. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? So, so like, let let me kind of go in this thing because, like, it's funny how Ecclesiastes chapter 1, Solomon gives a very profound statement. He says, man, that there ain't nothing new under the sun. In fact, he says, what has been will be again. And he says, what has been done shall also be done again. And essentially what he's trying to make us know that none none of the things that we lament in our time are new things. Are y'all with me? Like when we lament certain things that affect the families in our time, let's be clear that none of this stuff is new. All of this stuff has happened before. Are are y'all with me today? So it's funny because there are times where I hear people lamenting homosexuality like it's a new thing. Y'all know homosexuality is as old as the story of Sodom and Gomorrah. There are times where we act like threesomes and multiple partners is a new thing. But you see that in Genesis 19 when Lot's daughters take their turns getting pregnant with him. Like we tripping because we think statutory tape and rape and R. Kelly is a new thing. But y'all know all the women of the Bible were underage when they got married to these old men. Oh, y'all mighty quiet in this room today. Uh, It's crazy because we act like human trafficking is a new thing, but you realize that that's how uh, Naaman's handmaid that helped him get healed got into his possession. And it's crazy because in the last 30 days, we be 30 years, we talk about baby mama, baby daddy drama as if that's a new thing, but you realize that that's as old as the story of Sarah Abraham and Hagar. In other words, we talk about it in our community like this is new stuff, but this is an old story. Are y'all with me today, saints? Where you have man Abraham who gets Egyptian or African woman pregnant, but because he's got ties to somebody else, He eventually gets in a dispute over child support or inheritance, and as a result, he's got to put away the African woman and leave her to raise her child all by himself. In other words, this ain't new stuff. The only thing that's happened in our time is certain things have become commonplace. So that we live in a time now, saints, where Don Lemon says that 72% of black kids are born outside of wedlock where studies say that 38% of black children don't have two parents, only 38% of black children have two parents in their home. Studies show that because of teen pregnancy, the average age of black grandparents has gone from 47 to 36. And, And it's crazy because the ones that are supposed to be giving guidance are still in need of guidance themselves. And see, what I'm saying today, beloved, is the problem is that we've become kind of cavalier and reckless in some of our dating and marriage habits. And as a result, we leave our children to live out the brokenness that we leave behind. And so I want to talk about some principles from this story. Like when we look at the story of Abraham, Sarah, and Hagar, the first thing I want to say to my brothers it teaches you is that you can't keep two women happy at the same time. See, see, I need my brothers to get this and y'all not going to receive it, but the more women you entertain, the more women you got connected to yourself, the more drama you are unleashing on your soul. Somebody ought to say amen today. And, and, And it's crazy because like there are some people that believe that the Bible promotes polygamy. That's actually not the truth. What the Bible shows is God's willingness to work in the midst of fallen humanity, See, even though you don't see a condemnation of polygamy until Jesus and Paul, what the stories of polygamy actually teach us is that the joint don't work. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Like whether it is Sarah and Hagar bringing drama to Abraham, whether it's Penina and uh, 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 Hannah bringing grief unto Elkanah, or whether it is Solomon's wives turning his heart from God, even though you see the institution, what you never see is happiness in other words like if you want to know God's design for family you got to go back to the beginning are you hearing me saints so that when God wakes up Adam from sleep you notice that God did not give him 15 wives like an episode of The Bachelor are y'all with me saints God gives him one woman to be with one man because God knew that Adam's happiness was in commitment. His joy would be in monogamy and his strength would be in fidelity. And see the crazy thing is some of us won't even shout over words like commitment and monogamy because we are so touched by the world in our time. Those words are boring to us but the people of God ought to shout on commitment. We ought to rejoice on monogamy. We ought to praise God for fidelity. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? But, But see, the problem is somewhere along the line in our communities, we begin to glorify the idea of pimping. We begin to celebrate the player. We begin to celebrate the ladies' man. And what we did by default is we begin to castigate the nice guy or the man that shows respect or the one that's responsible with women. And see, the reason you gotta be careful about what you celebrate is we recruit what we celebrate. In other words, you glorify, whatever you glorify, you multiply. In other words, because men are this way by nature, we're going to be drawn to whatever is glorified in the culture. And see, that's why you got to be careful about what you exalt, because whatever you glorify, that's what you're going to multiply. And see, the problem is we started to glorify the wrong stuff in our culture. So sometimes we glorify dudes that have been to jail. But the problem is if you glorify prison culture, you multiply prison culture if you glorify thug life then you multiply thug life if you glorify drinking then you multiply alcoholics if you glorify pornography then you multiply pornography if you glorify baby mamas then you multiply baby mamas if you glorify the side piece then you multiply the side piece if you glorify drama, then you multiply drama. And what I'm saying is that in this church, that's why every third Sabbath we're going to celebrate marriage. We're going to glorify education. We're going to glorify entrepreneurs. We're going to glorify men that handle their business because what you glorify, you multiply. Are y'all hearing the word today, saints? And see, the thing, man, I want to say to my young brothers is that what culture won't tell you is that the more women whose heart you have attached to you, the more drama you bring on yourself. Are y'all hearing me, saints? The more women's affections you call out selfishly, the more curses you bring upon your life, the more female soul ties that are bound to you, the more they serve as the noose that suffocates the life out of you. Because the truth is, you can't keep two women happy at the same time. See, see, that's why God said to Adam, man, when your children get married, they got to leave their father and mother's house and be cleaved unto their wife, because God knew you can't keep your wife and your mama happy at the same time. You, You can't keep all your baby mamas happy at the same time. You can't keep a wife and a side piece happy at the same time. Like, man, it's hard to keep your wife and your daughter happy at the same time. Matter of fact, there are times where Gianna gets jealous of me and Brooke's love. Y'all need to pray for her because y- y'all can't keep two women happy at the same time. And what I want to just kind of extol in the minds of my young men, I need you to know that the baddest dude on the block is not the guy that can get a bunch of women happy for one night, but the baddest dude is the one that can keep one woman happy for a whole lifetime. Are y'all hearing me today? Thanks. No, no, no. That's husbands, the ones who commit. Don't talk about your romance until you put a ring on it and you got 10 years under your belt. Do I have a witness in this room today? Are y'all with me in this thing, So, So go back with me, if you will, to Genesis chapter 16. Genesis 16, and I want us to look together at, uh, at verse number 4. Genesis 16 and verse number 4. And I want to talk real quick to my Hagars, my young ladies, real quick. The Bible says, so he went into Hagar, and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. Then verse 5, then Sarah said to Abram, uh, uh, my wrong be upon you. But then notice what Abram says in verse 6. So Abram said to Sarai, indeed, your maid is in your hand. Do to her as you please. See, the second thing I need, especially all of my young people to know, but especially my sisters, I need you to know that love will never begin below your waist. See, see, what's hard sometimes in a story like this is to actually know what role Hagar actually plays in this equation. So there are some scholars that believe Hagar gives consent, and she saw, like, this arrangement as a path to the birthright, as an opportunity to elevate her status in the family. But when I read the text, what becomes clear to me is that Hagar is essentially treated as property in the story. But the one thing that Hagar, who is a very young woman, compared to Sarah, who is an older woman, is that she begins to show a misunderstanding about the nature of a man, and she does not understand the nature of this transaction. Now, see, the problem is when we read this text, we usually make the assumption that that Abraham just goes into the tent one time. But how many of us know that nobody ever gets pregnant the first time? Oh, don't look away from me. Look at me right now. Uh, Nobody gets pregnant the first time. I I need you to understand that this was not a hit it and quit it. This was not a one-night stand, that Abraham has to keep going to that tent for at least a month or two until that first cycle is missed. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And and see, the reason that is important is because there is a real bond that is developing. There is a familiarity that is being shared. There is an affection that is developed somewhere along the way. And so you got to see, man, your boy Abraham, like he is sharing uh, Hagar's most intimate space. He is as close to her as a person can get. In fact, she knows Abraham in a way that only his wife is supposed to know her. And even though it is a business transaction, Abraham is not a monster. And so in order to relax her, I can see Abraham telling her how fine she is in the heat of the moment. He tells her how attractive she is in the heat of the moment. He tells her how he got love for her in the heat of the moment, how he can't wait for her to have his babies in the heat of the moment. But did you notice that as soon as he was done with her, that he was done with her? As soon as he gets what he wants, he doesn't want her anymore. And notice and so he says to Sarah, go and do with her whatever you wish. And see, the crazy thing is that even though I believe Hagar does not ask for this, what becomes clear when you read Patriarchs and Prophets, Ellen White says that after a while, she began to develop a jealousy and an expectation toward Abraham. And sees Hagar's mistake was she thought that a physical interaction was going to change the emotional makeup of the relationship. Well, y'all, y'all not with me. See, at some point for her it became emotional, but for Abraham it was always transactional. And what Abraham teaches, sisters, is that just because he came into you, it doesn't mean that he's into you. Oh, y'all, y'all mighty, mighty quiet in this room today. See, see, what this young woman did not understand is that you can't trust what no dude says in the heat of the moment. Cause so dudes will say anything in the heat. Oh, come on and act like y'all. No Will else say whatever you want to hear to relax you in that moment. And, and the reason you can't trust what is said in the heat of the moment is those things are no longer binding once the moment is over. And see, the problem is she's got an expectation that's not based on the agreement. Are y'all hearing me saying this? See, boy, Abraham, he don't even get, he don't understand why there's no drama. In his mind, he's like, I told you from the get. All I wanted was one thing from you. But see, what Abraham doesn't understand is that physical intimacy communicates something different than what comes out of your mouth. See, the thing I need you to understand, beloved, about that the thing about sexual intimacy is what it does is it creates expectations that can never be realized. It's going to always mean more to one party than the other. And see, and that's why it only works in a committed marriage. Now, some are saying they were married, pastor, but they were not committed to one another. It only works when there is a committed marriage where both parties have the same level of investment. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, and that's why I want my young people to understand that the call to abstinence is not restrictive. It's protective. It's protective. See, I need you to understand this is one of the few things in life that cannot be done casually. You see, you understand that by nature, the very act itself communicates the idea of covenant so that when you join your body to theirs, you realize that the idea of the promise of oneness and unity and a permanent relationship is what's said. You realize that when you come together, it is more than an exchange of body. It is more than an exchange of fluid. It is an Exchange of spirits, and that's why, even when he's not with you, he's still inside of you. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the problem is that the act writes a check that your soul cannot cash. And see, and see, and that's why in First Corinthians chapter 6, the Bible terms are, are, are describes fornication as a sin against yourself. Did, did y'all notice what the word says? The Word says every other sin is without the body, but fornication is a sin against yourself. And the reason it's a sin against yourself is because physically you make a covenant that your soul cannot handle. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? It's like entering into an agreement where only one person signs the contract. Because it's always going to mean more to somebody else and somebody's going to get hurt. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? man listen man I remember man when I was in my last semester in graduate school I was in that last couple of months and because of the way graduation fell I had some roommates move out and I had to have another roommate move in and so what happened was both of our names were on the lease and both of our names were on the utility bill but the mistake I made was when it was time to get the phone turned on I only had my name left on the phone bill and see the crazy thing is we only got two months left in this agreement but the problem is he pays the bill the first Month, but that last month when it's time for us to move out because his name ain't on the contract, he decides I'm not gonna pay the bill and I'm just gonna bounce and go about my way. And see, the problem is he was able to receive the service, but because his name wasn't on the contract, he was able to walk away from the agreement. Y'all, y'all, not hearing me. He was able to get the service, but because his name wasn't on the contract, he went about his business. And I guess what I'm saying to you today, sister, is you need to let him know that you ain't going to get no service unless your name is on the contract, and we are both in an agreement. Oh, y'all not hearing me in this room today. You better make sure his name is on the contract before he receives any service. Can the church say amen? Amen. (laughs) Oh, 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 oh. oh no. <laughs> so, so let me go a little, little, little deeper in this thing so chapter 16 verse 11 let's look a little closer so notice what God says about Ishmael notice the description and the angel of the Lord said unto her behold you are with child you're going to bear a son his name shall be called Ishmael Look at what he's saying to this, this, this woman who's going to be a single mom because the Lord has heard your affliction. But notice what he says. He's going to be a wild man. His hand is going to be against every man. And every man's hands is going to be against him. And he shall dwell in the presence of his brethren. Now go over with me to chapter 21 and verse 25. Y'all don't mind if we stay in the Word for just a moment? 21, verse 25. Let's look at this thing together. Chapter 21. But chapter 21. Chapter 21. Excuse me. Actually, let's just go right here to verse number twelve. But if God said to Abraham, "Do not let it be displeasing in your sight because of the lad or because of the bondwoman. Whatever Sarah has said, listen to her voice. And Isaac, your seed, shall be called. Yet I will also make a of, of, make a nation of the son of the bondwoman, because he is your seed." See the third thing, and I'm going to say this to all parents specifically: is be careful about the decisions you make. Because your freedom may put your children in bondage. Okay. So, stay with me. This thing with Hagar and Sarah has reached its tipping point. So now again, Ishmael is about 14, 15 years old now. The son that was promised Sarah has been born in Isaac. And you understand that by the time Isaac finishes getting weaned and Hebrew children would be weaned up till about 24 months. You got to realize that that the presence of this new baby has made Ishmael's very existence obsolete. In other words, he's not invited to join in the celebration because of the celebration. He is no longer needed. He is completely unnecessary in the life of his parents. And so you got to see this thing, that this thing literally infuriates Ishmael to the point that he begins to mock. Galatians 4 says he begins to persecute or bully this younger son, the son of the promise. He begins to mock out loud that as the oldest one, I'm entitled to the birthright or to the lion's share of the inheritance. And this joint sends Sarah completely over the edge. She puts this, she draws a line in the sand, lets Abraham know that it's going to be me or her. It's going to be us or them. You're going to have to. She ain't got to go home. But, but she's going to have to make her way on out of here. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And, and so you got to kind of see the thing that goes down because Abraham is at a point where there ain't no more appeasing this situation. There ain't no more managing this situation. He can't smooth this thing over with no smooth talk. He can't give Hager a $20 bill and make her be quiet. This joint has reached its boiling point. And so you got to understand that, man, Abraham, t too old for this, man this dude 100 years old he ain't got time to be fighting her he can't make her happy and him happy he split between two women and you got to understand all abraham wants is for things to go better he just wants to get some peace he just wants to get some sleep at night he just wants it to be over and done with he just wants his freedom again And see, understand that the rejection of the child Ishmael is not about Ishmael. He loves him. The rejection of the child is because of the immaturity of the adults in the room. Are y'all hearing me, saints? And see, let me pause to say to all of the young Ishmaels in this room, if your mom or your dad walk out on you, I need you to know that thing is not on you. It's on them. See, 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 don't take the rejection personal. Are y'all hearing me, saints? Because it's weird how when parents abandon the children, the children's lives are filled with this inadequacy and this sense of insecurity. And what happens is we've got some Ishmaels that have been carrying around some unneeded responsibility and burden because you thought the rejection was about you. See there are times where where kind of like me you'll grow up and you'll ask yourself why did this happen to me and what was wrong with me and why does he prefer them but not me how can he take care of them and not take care of me and some of our lives have been compromised because we're listening to the voice of abandonment because the voice of abandonment will tell you that you weren't good enough the voice of abandonment will tell you that if you had done better the voice of abandonment will Say if you behaved better, that things would have worked out differently. But my prayer is simply to set some Ishmael's free. I need you to know that you ought not blame yourself if your dad didn't stick around. Don't blame yourself if your mom walked out the door. It wasn't your fault that your parents divorced. It wasn't your fault that your parents didn't stick around. And the thing I want to say to somebody is that sometimes God in his infinite wisdom has to move you out of some toxic situations he has to move you away from some toxic people God had to push some parents out because they were not worthy to be stewards of your gifts and your talents and your potentials they would have ruined it and made you come short of God's design and sometimes God has to push some folk out so that you can know he's gonna take it from here are y'all hearing me saints See, the thing I want us to get about this thing is I want you to imagine, like, how traumatic Ishmael's life must have been. See, the thing I need somebody to get is that every time a family functions outside of God's will, it brings trauma to the children. No, 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 no. No, stay with me. See, be careful about your freedom because your freedom may put somebody else in bondage. Right. That's right. I mean, like think about like all the scars that are on this young dude, so he's 15. I mean, he loves his daddy. His very sense of self hinges on every word of affirmation that his daddy speaks. I mean, he can't wait till his daddy comes over to his side of the tent to spend some time. But think about the trauma that he experiences all of his life. So first of all, it's traumatic to see him showing preference to another woman besides his mama. It's traumatic that when his brother is born, he's not included in the celebration, but the birth of the brother makes his whole existence obsolete. You gotta think about how traumatic it is when when Ishmael sticks his head out of his tent and he sees Hagar and and, and Abraham having this knockdown, drag-out fight. Think about how, how traumatic it is for this young man when he sees his daddy telling him to gather his stuff together. Think about how traumatic it is where he sees his daddy put a box of bread in his hand and a water bottle over his mama's shoulder. Think about how traumatic it is as his father kisses him on the forehead and pushes him outside the bounds of the only home he's known. Think about how traumatic it is that as he looks over his shoulder, as kids have a way of holding out hope, he's just waiting for daddy to change his mind. He's waiting for daddy to change his course. He's waiting for daddy to redirect the edict. He's waiting for daddy to come to his rescue. And he holds out hope even as they get all the way out there in the desert. When the bread runs out, he thinks daddy's going to show up. When the water runs out, he thinks daddy's going to show up. When he's right there on the edge of death, he still thinks daddy is going to show up but eventually what happens is when daddy does not show up there is an anger that is released in the soul of this young man and understand that at first that anger hunts him at first it torments him but once it is impaneled it fuels him the rest of his days So notice in chapter 16 what was prophesied about the young man Ishmael. Listen, the angel said to her, listen, single mom, I'm going to make of him a great nation, but you got to understand that boy ain't going to be easy to handle. The word literally says that he's going to be a wild man, that he's going to always be at odds with his brothers. His brothers are going to always be at odds with him. It's going to always be a fight. It's going to always be an issue. What he's saying, I need you to understand, is that what the angel is describing is not God's design for Ishmael. What he's describing is the results of Abraham's treachery. He's saying because his daddy was treacherous, this dude is going to struggle with authority. He's going to struggle with intimacy. He's going to struggle to get along. He's going to struggle to manage his aggression. He's going to struggle to manage his anger. But even though he's going to be crazy, hang in there with him because I'm going to take it from here. See, see, I need us to understand, and I want to say this, that fatherlessness comes with certain fruit. Are y'all hearing me, saints? One of, those fruit, one of the fruits of fatherlessness is a very real anger. And one of the mistakes that we make is that when we look at a child, we assume that because they smile, there is no anger inside of them. But how many of us know that all anger is not lived out loud, but some anger hides underneath the surface? And what psychologists teach us is that anger actually matures with the development of the child. So that once the child turns 14 or 15, he's not just developing pecs, he's not just developing hips, he's not just developing facial hair. That anger is about to blossom. And that's why one day you wake up, and they won't obey orders, and they got this anger. And it seems like they've just changed. No, there's been something underneath the surface that's been growing a whole lifetime. One of the things that happens for fatherless kids is they grow up with a lack of self-esteem self and they struggle to form meaningful relationships. You see, one of the things that, that abandonment does, especially to a child, is when, when you've kind of been, been got your hopes up and you've been let down and you got your hopes up and you've been let down. Am I talking to anybody today? And you got your hopes up and you've been let down. What happens is you build a wall to make sure you're never let down again. And so what happens is you'll struggle with issues like intimacy and trust and connection and because a boy don't want to get let down what he'll do is he'll bond with her physically but never emotionally because he can't stand the idea of being let down ever again one of the things that can happen with abandonment is the exact opposite can take place sometimes you'll see in a young man or young woman because they've been abandoned as a child what that hole does is it'll make them accept whatever comes their way y'all hear me saints? So just to keep from feeling abandoned, I'll let you in my life. Just to have somebody there, I'll let you in my life. And as a result, man, they ain't got to respect you. They ain't got to love you. They ain't got to adore you. They ain't got to cherish you. But I'll let them remain just to have somebody operating. Are you hearing me today, saints? Third thing that can happen sometimes is a struggle with emotional and personal identity and development. See, see one of the things that, that that a dad does. Like one of the first things that a dad does is stand as a buffer between children and rejection. Are y'all y- y'all with me saints? So that when the child comes home and somebody says they fat or they say their hair is nappy or too kinky or they too dark, one of the jobs as a dad is to stand between them and that rejection and reinforce the sense of identity and a sense of, are y'all hearing me today, sense? And see, the thing is, I want us to understand the reason that development can sometimes be staggered. How many of us know that parenting is a job for two people? In other words, our kids are supposed to be covered on both sides. And see, a part of development is seeing both mom and dad operating in a similar context. Because for both families, parents, uh, you see a scenario where opposites attract. Opposites tend to attract. And you realize the reason opposites attract is so that the kids can get a wide range of development. So from one parent they'll learn hard work, from the other parent they'll learn how to relax. From one parent, they'll learn how to be artistic. From the other parent, they'll learn science. From one parent, they'll learn how to write poetry. With the other parent, they'll learn how to work with their hands. With one parent, one parent is going to be law. The other parent is going to represent grace. And through a covering on both sides, the child gets a wide range of development. But the problem is when there's only one parent in the home, they're only covered on one side. And they become like a pancake that never gets flipped. In other words, they remain undone on one side because they're never exposed to anything on the other Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, one of the reasons that God puts opposite parents in the same household, one of the reasons that God puts opposites is so that he can dilute crazy. Okay. See, I I know your family's so spiritual and perfect, and y'all got so many generations in the church that this don't affect you. But I need you to know that when Gianna and I got married, there's some snail crazy. No, you can say amen. It's okay. I I admit it. There's some snail crazy, and, and she was a Norman, and there was some Norman crazy. But see, in order to keep all of that crazy from going to next generation, he put me with somebody that's opposite of me to kind of water down our dilute the crazy away, oh, all that today, Saints. I she dilute some of the snail crazy, I dilute some of the Norman crazy so that they don't get the crazy concentrated, it's watered down by our relationship, one another. But see the problem in a home with only one parent, they only get half of the covering and they get all the crazy. Amen. So, hey, some, some of y'all looking like, that explains it all right there.
0: Amen. Amen.
1: So, you ain't have nobody to cut none of that stuff. I mean, it, it was like that, that, that Seneca Tropicana Frozen. Amen. You got to water that stuff down. Because even if it's sweet, it'll kill you. Come on and say amen. You got to. All right. So, because of that essential pairing, before you walk out the door, before you leave your post, before you sign divorce papers, before you decide to get a commute that's going to keep you out of the kid's life four days out of the week. Before you get your freedom. Yes. You better ask yourself, is my freedom yes. going to put the next generation in bondage? Yes. Yes. On, to realize, see the problem is we want to create dysfunction for the kids yes. and want them to be happy about it. Yes. Yes. See, see, kids are not supposed to suffer because of parents. On, parents are supposed to suffer on behalf of the kids. Yes. And see, and see yeah, I know y'all don't get mad, but see, the issue is there are certain things that are traumatic that we don't even see as traumatic because they're so commonplace in our lives. Yeah. Single mom, be careful about your freedom. Yeah. Do you realize how traumatizing it is for a son to watch his mama date? Yeah. Yeah, right. Do you realize how destructive it is for him to have to see you with more than one man at all? Are y'all hearing me, saints? Do you realize what it does to her, to to your daughter, to see you with another family, playing house, living it up with them, while her and her mama are struggling? And, and see, what I'm saying to us is, you got to be careful about the decision. You got to be careful about the choice. You got to be careful about making yourself happy and getting your freedom, because you might be sentencing the next seven generations to a bondage that you could never see coming. I know this is heavy and that's a lot to bear, but there's rejoicing because the good news is that Hagar is put out. She ain't got no more water, she ain't got no more bread. I mean, this thing is literally so bad for Hagar, this, this African woman who's gonna have to raise this baby by herself. She ain't got no man to depend on. She ain't got no family. She put all her eggs in one basket, this man, and now that basket never matured and now she gotta do it all by herself. But the thing I want to say to somebody is that even when it looks like you by yourself, you got somebody in your corner. There is a God in heaven that sees. There is a God in heaven that hears. And there is a God that is close to your situation. Are y'all hearing me today, saints? And see, the reason God shows up in the desert after Ishmael has been put out, after Hagar has been put out, The reason God shows up is to say to the Hagar's and the Ishmael's of our generation that even when your daddy doesn't want you, I still want you. He's showing up to say, even if he don't have time for you, I've got time for you. Even when he's too busy for you, I'm not too busy for you. He wants you to know that when he doesn't care, I still care. When he doesn't make room for you, I still make room for you. When he's on to his new family, you're still a part of my family. It is why the psalmist says, even when your mother and father forsake you, that the Lord is going to take you in. I want to say to the Ishmaels, be not dismayed. Don't fret. Don't live a life of anger or regret. Because even when earthly fathers don't want you, there is a father in heaven who wants you like you are his own. Are you hearing me today, saints? And see, man, I just want to say this thing real quick. I need you to know I'm almost done. See, see I want to say real quick to the single moms, because, see, this thing is rough. He says, listen, man, this, this dude is going to be wild, but this, this guy, I'm going to, listen, see, the problem is when, when, when the angel gives Hagar the promise in chapter 16 that he's going to build a great nation, right? The reason Hagar misunderstood the transaction, she thought the great nation was going to be because of his connection to Abraham. She was still putting the stakes on a man. She was still tying the validity to a relationship. In other words, God dragged her out of Abraham's house to let her know that when I build him into a great nation, it ain't going to be because of him. It's going to be because of me. Oh, y'all not hearing me in this thing. I need you to know God says, I'm going to take it from here. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'll stand up where he fell down. When he can't get you no further, I'll take you the rest of the way. Yeah. And see, the thing I rejoice about in this is because he's saying it's going to be hard. See, the reason God doesn't show up until all the water and bread is gone. Did y'all catch that? Like, I mean, he's going to show it up when there was still bread. He's going to show it up when there was still water. Oh, y'all that. Like, He could have showed up when there was still some sustenance. He didn't wait; have to wait until the boy was about to die. But he's trying to say to this single mother, I want you to know that even when you're down to your last, when the child support doesn't come and the alimony doesn't show up and certain people don't fulfill their promises, when they don't come through, I'm still going to come through because it's my child and I'm going to build a nation out of him. Are you hearing me, saints? And say, I love it. You can play something for me. The reason my heart rejoiced over this thing is that Ishmael is, is one of those boys that even though he is rejected, you notice that Ishmael, through God's help, breaks the cycle. Oh, you see that, pastor? Notice what the word says. Hagar finds him an Egyptian African wife. Amen. And if you, read, if you read your Bible, you know that there was a nation called the Ishmaelites who would put the hurting regularly on the sons of Isaac and their descendants. Y'all know what I'm talking about? So, so how did he break the cycle? Because even though he was rejected, he saw his mama rejected. The, boy, the Bible says that Ishmael took a wife and he grew into a nation. No, y'all, y'all didn't Y'all didn't catch that. See, you don't grow into a nation by having kids over here and over here and over here and over here. You can't grow into a nation until you develop a family. See, 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 I need you to know sometimes Ishmael's boys, sometimes the best daddies in this church are the ones that didn't have nobody growing up. And see, boy, Ishmael breaks the cycle because not only does he have kids that are called by his name, he keeps them all together. He keeps them in the same place. He passes down procedures. He passes down protocols. He passes down tradition. He passes down a vision. He passes down an infrastructure to the point where with God's help, they are grown and developed into a government that is still standing even unto this day. And I, I guess what I'm trying to say, because I think most of us, I mean, and we praise God. I mean, it is the way God designed it. Like most, we are supposed to have two parents in the home. But I just want to just holler at all the Ishmael generation in this place. Who've been walking around with so much hurt and so much brokenness and so much pain because you've been left behind and You've been rejected and you've been cast aside and that anger created a wildness and a destructive element to your character. I need you to know that if you let God have a hold of your life, that God will build you into a whole new nation. That God will bring about a whole different outcome. That God will do a whole new thing if you put your hand in God's hand. Are y'all hearing me today saints? I want to say to the Hagars, listen, I need you to know in this church, we we don't look down on single single We We celebrate you. We affirm you. We're going to do everything in our power to help you finish that journey. But even when you're down to nothing and you can't see there is no way, I need you to know that just because you can't see a way, it doesn't mean God won't make a way. God, that Abraham's treachery, that dad's treachery, could not derail the plan and the purpose that God has for you. And I need somebody to understand that, like, I mean, I'm not going to beat you up with this. Y'all have heard me say this a thousand times. I'm not preaching out of theory. I'm, I'm preaching out of my own life experience. Y'all see my parents come up and you hear me talk about my dad and we acknowledge him. He is my, my stepfather but I, but I call him dad because from a teenager on, he was there. He taught me how to be a man. But my biological dad, man, I, I don't mind telling you, haven't met him a date in my life. Couldn't tell you if I look like him, act like him, or anything like that. He he walked away. And I need you to understand is that I actually thank God because God simply knew he wasn't worthy to be a steward. He wasn't worthy to be a steward of these gifts. He wasn't worthy to be a steward of this potential and this calling that God put on my life. But I need you to know that man's treachery can never derail a divine destiny. And I need you to know that if God has a plan for you, it doesn't matter who's there, it doesn't matter who leaves, it doesn't matter who walks away, because God says, I'll take it from here. Are you here me today, saints? And, and that's why I, I celebrate my wife. That's, what, the reason, that's why you hear me preach about my kids so much, because I couldn't wait to one day be able to have some of my own. Take them to school, play ball, teach them the things of God because I wanted to establish a new order, a new nation, a new destiny, and redirect the generations that came after me. Are y'all hearing me, Saints? And I was blessed and that I had somebody come in and, and parent me even into my adult years. But but the but the thing is still binding over everyone that God still has a plan. Are you hearing me say so right now as you stand to your feet and we get ready to close out the service. I want to do two things two things. First off I want to say to that person who's been carrying around a lot of anger, carrying around a lot of frustration, carrying around, carrying around a lot of insecurity and inadequacy. About what happened and how life began. I need you to know that the latter is gonna be greater than the former. And at some point you gotta put those things which are in the past high and reach forward to those things that are before. And so I'm gonna ask if we can, if we can cease the movement in the sanctuary. Please, please. I want to make an appeal, first and foremost, to the Ishmael generation. doesn't matter if you're a little boy, teenager, young adult, but you've been touched by this issue. Maybe mom or dad was not around. And you've experienced pain not because you did something wrong, but because parents or adults were irresponsible around you. I just want to take a special moment and pray for the Ishmael generation. any any person that is under the age of 30 or 40 if you just want to hear but you've been affected by fatherlessness or motherlessness they were not there they are not there I want to pray for you I want to pray God's anointing over you I want to pray that God would fulfill his word to you I want to pray that God would take it from here that God would redirect you and that he would be your God he's got an open network and he's going to guide you every step of the way so if you're here today I want to pray for you this, this morning, as we this afternoon as we close this service out. If you're here today, you don't, you don't have to be ashamed. I'm, I'm here, but you, you've been touched by this. And you want to be a part of this prayer for the Ishmael generation. Come on down. I want to pray for you. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. God bless you, brother. Come on down. God bless you. I, 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 listen, I'm, I'm literally praying that God would alter destinies, that he would reorder steps, that God would change your path that God would do a new thing, that God would heal your heart, that God would restore what the locusts have taken away. I'm praying that you would leave with a sense of identity, that you would know who you are, that you would know whose you are, and that God's purpose and plan for you has not changed. I need you to know that even though you, you may be an Ishmaelite, you're still a son of the seed of Abraham. And all of the promises that flow to his descendants, they still flow to you. And so as you're coming down, uh, I think we, we have some anointing oil in, in the hands of my elders. What I want to do is I want to anoint these sons. I want to anoint these daughters. And what I am praying is that every curse, every hurt, every cycle, everything that the devil wants to use to derail you and tear you down, that it would be broken in the invincible name of the Lord Jesus Christ. So come on down. I see you. We're going to pray for you. Pray for the Israel generation. I see some men stepping forward come on down, we're we're just anointing and then I'm going to pray, come on down come on down Some little babies, small children, newborns—they're part of this Ishmael covenant that we're gonna pray. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. Come on down. God bless you, brother. Praying for you. Just push to the front. Push to the front. We're praying down pain. We're praying down those cycles. We're praying for God to alter the course. Bring it down. I see some more young people coming down over here. Praise God for you. Praise God. Do me a favor. Just push to the front. Push to the front. Push on through to the front. Make room for them. Make room for him. Come on down. We want to anoint you with oil in the name of the Lord. Come on down. For those that just came down, bless you. they affect me or how they affect the generation, but I want to move forward by faith. I need to be a part of that prayer with my Ishmael. If you're a Hagar and you want to come, I invite you to come as well. I invite you in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you, young ladies. down. I'm to call down my, my fathers who, who are simply saying, man, maybe I've been imperfect. Maybe I've fallen short. Maybe I haven't done all that I'm supposed to do, but I'm recommitting myself to the journey I'm recommitting myself to being a God. I want to see this thing all the way through. I want to anoint those dads. I want to anoint you in the name of Jesus Christ. God bless you, brothers. God bless you. And, and listen, if you're handling business, praise God. But but we just want to pray. We want to pray for Hagar. We want to pray for for Ishmael. We want to pray for, for the Abraham that we would be all that God would have us to be. To say to somebody who's here maybe you're in the front, maybe you're in the balcony, you haven't come yet but you know where cycles break? They break the beginning, the genesis, it has to start with Jesus Christ not a social program, not getting back in school, that's cool but it begins with a decision to say I am living in a committed way with God by my side And maybe there's somebody here today, you've never accepted Jesus as your Savior. You've never accepted Jesus as your Lord. And today you realize that God had a plan through it all and a purpose in it all. And God has been there every step of the way. And even when I got down to my last, like Hagar and Abraham, God was still there. And today you want to acknowledge God's leadership and lordship over your life. You want to follow him all of your days to the point of being baptized, rededicated. If you're here at the front or you're on the floor in the balcony, just raise your hand wherever you are saying, I I, I want to belong to Jesus. I want to submit myself to him. I want to live for him. I want to go all the way. I want the cycle to begin with Jesus. If you're here today, just raise your hand wherever you are, wherever you are, wherever you are. So to all the Ishmaels and our lady Ishmaels who are here in the front, do me a favor. Fathers who've come and and Hagar's who've come, let's just touch and agree. Let's join hands as we pray this prayer of dedication. Before I pray, I want to give you 30 seconds. I want to give you permission, young soldier. I want to give you permission, young sister. See, if you if you keep that anger trapped inside of you, you keep nourishing it, it will eventually overwhelm you and derail God's purpose. So, right now, on the count of three, and forgiveness is not an act, it's a process. But I just want you in your heart right now to just say, in the name of Jesus. I let go of my anger. I release my pain. Young people here in the front, do me a favor. Shout this out. Say, Jesus, I let it go. No, shout it out. Jesus, I let it go. Say, Jesus, I let it go. In the name of Jesus, I let it go. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, we pray not in a sensational way, but in a very practical and plain way for the sons and daughters of God. I am praying some specific things. The enemy through the treachery and the indifference of adults has caused some bondage to come upon children. And and Lord, like Ishmael, I'm praying that these young sons and daughters, that they would first come to the conclusion that they are not accidents. May they be convinced that their presence here is not just the result of biological process, but even in the midst of foolishness, you have called them. Before they were born, you knew them and you had already ordained them and you set up a purpose and a plan just for them. So Lord, if they don't get anything else out of this sermon, may they leave understanding that their life has significance because it was conceived in your mind lord may they leave with the understanding that even though times were hard and like ishmael you let them and their mom you let them and their dad get down to the very last but just because it was hard may they know that you never left them and you never forsake them and that romans 8:28 is true that all things work together for the good of them that love god and are called according to his purposes I'm praying, dear God, that they would not allow a rough beginning to serve as an excuse or reason not to achieve all that you purposed them to be and to become. I pray that they would live with the promise of Philippians that says, though I have had disadvantages, I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Lord, I'm praying for these young people that they would be imitators Of the Lord Jesus Christ, that they would not follow the script relationally that mama did, that they would not follow the script relationally that daddy laid out. But I pray for every boy that they would covenant right now not to be harsh, not to have contempt for women, but to have respect for women, to honor women, to cherish all women, to treat every woman as they would their mother. May they make the covenant now, even though it's not time for them to be married, but may they aspire not to be players, not to be pimps, not to be thugs, but may they aspire to be husbands and fathers, contributors to church, society, and the kingdom of God. May they make the covenant now in the house of God. May they not wait until they're old and wreck their lives and decide later on. May they decide it now, Jesus. I want to pray for every young woman that they would apply themselves to a life of purity, a life of holiness and wholesomeness. May, 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 Lord, will you through the Holy Spirit just impart self-worth and self-value. May they know that their, their value is high above rubies. Lord, would you bless the sons and daughters of Ishmael in this place. Lord, would you bless Hagar's, the Moms? Would you bless the Abrahams, the Dad's? Lord, like even as I preach this sermon, I'm preaching out of my own brokenness as a parent. I preach not as one who has it together, but I'm preaching as one who is in need of divine grace. So Lord, would you show us as parents grace? Would you show us mercy? Would you give us a second chance to get it right? And and would you forgive us for where we have fallen short and that you would help us to reconcile and make amends and do the most that we can with the time that remains. So, Lord, I just pray that you would bless our church. Bless our families alter destinies in this moment alter life paths at this moment alter decisions and if you hadn't come in 20 years or 30 years may the sons of Ishmael be able to look back on this Sabbath and say that's when it changed it's when it turned around it's when God began a new thing in me bless and keep them as only you can cover them in Christ's name Let God's children say together, amen. Let's give God a praise.
0: We know that you have been blessed for listening to this message. Join us next week for another inspirational message. If you would like more information about the first SBA church located in Huntsville, Alabama, or have a prayer request, please visit us at www.firstsdachurch.com. Our services are streamed live on Saturday mornings at 11.30 a.m. and Wednesday evenings at 7 p.m. Central Time. And you're invited to watch these live programs on our website. Until next time, may God richly bless and keep you in His care.